everyone, and welcome to another episode of Give Me Liberty. My name is James Wilson, and today we will be talking about plenty of things, including some of the new things coming to this podcast, including a website and some rebranding, as I'll talk about in a second. Then we'll get to some of the Democratic candidates and their current polling numbers and how this will affect them. We'll also get into Trump's response to some of his political adversaries, and then we'll get into a little bit a little bit more about the Virginia pro-gun rally. All right, so as mentioned before, before we get into some of the latest political news of today, I'd just like to get into a little bit of what what's going to be new about the show. So to start in just a couple of weeks, just a, within the next month, the the show Give Me Liberty will now be titled The James Wilson Show. Now the reason I'm doing this is because when the podcast started, I decided to do it based off political issues, and now that this podcast has evolved and I've changed it more into a daily thing where I talk about more daily issues as you've seen if you've listened to the um some of the most recent episodes. So I feel like that's uh, an improvement to the show, and so I'll be adding that. So if you are subscribed to Give Me Liberty, and all of a sudden it doesn't show that subscription anymore, and it just shows the James Wilson show, just realize that that's still the same show. It's still me. It's just I'm rebranding um, the way everything looks. You'll get to see some new cover art. I'm very excited about that. We'll have a new logo. All this stuff I am very excited about and will be happening just over the next couple of weeks. Now, because I am doing this, we will have a new website coming out. So while this isn't up yet, and I'm still working on all the details on that, just keep keep in mind that as you continue to listen to the show. Now, there are a bunch of things on the website I would like to talk about for a second that I'm super excited about. Now, if you're a returning listener, you've seen... Sometimes I'll include links in the description. Go to this place, go to that place. For more information, go here. With this website, I hope to move this all into one place. So when you go to my website, of course, it will have the, the, my podcast feed. It will have you know available places you can listen. This will be available for mobile and desktop view. So you are able to listen to my podcast on the website as well. Additionally, new to the show, I will be doing a news post weekly. So a little further in the episode, I'm going to give you a preview of what that's going to look like. But in addition to the podcast that I do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we will also be doing, I will also be writing a news article, maybe, you know, usually something current. For example, this week's article that I'll give you a sneak preview of in a little bit is about the Democratic nomination and what the candidates need to be looking for and what will be important to them. I'll get to that in a second. But it will be something up to date on that that you can just read on the website. So I'll be doing that every Saturday once the website is up. Again, I'm super excited for this. I think this will really be good and will hopefully boost this podcast even further from where it is right now. Now, additionally, I have talked about starting a weekly newsletter. Instead of filling out a Google form that I linked in the description, you can now find that, you will then be able to find that 
on the website. Easy sign up. This will be either a weekly or monthly newsletter where I talk about some of the most recent things I've talked about on the show. It'll it'll show you what the most recent blog posts are so you can go check those out. Just your weekly up-to-date sort of things on the podcast that you need to know about if if perhaps you missed it or you want extra bonus information. Now additionally with this we will be having an interview form. Now the thing with this is I've talked on the show before about wanting to interview people. If you want to be interviewed on the show, there's some online software that we can use for free to do that where we can act, where I can actually host you on the show. Now this is really good cuz I'd like to get th- some of the community that listens to Give Me Liberty involved and on this website I'll have a place where you can go sign up talk about what you want to talk about on the show and we can set up a time where we can make that happen. Now, in the future, I might be adding some transcripts that's not set in stone right now. We're going to launch the website, see how that goes, and if we need additional content, things like that, that may also be available. Now, if you're confused where to get to my YouTube channel at, I will also have all the videos on the website right there for you to see. Again, I like how this website's going to include everything all at once, so I'm not redirecting you to a million different links. It's all there on the website. Additionally, with my YouTube channel, I will be trying to upload videos more and more often. I recently got some new video software where I will be able to do that, so be looking for that as well. Additionally, Another thing besides just the interview form is if you don't want to be interviewed or have a discussion together on the show, we're going to start up a thing with the mailbag questions where you could submit your questions weekly and I'll talk about them on the show maybe once or twice a week. We'll have a full segment for that so you can get your questions answered by me. I'm really excited about that. I think that will add a lot to the show. It will add a lot more content as well. And then two last things I'll talk about with the website before we move into some of the other political content is the 10-minute special. Now, I've heard many, many people talking about the fact that they can't listen to the full show because it's, it's too long. For example, some of the most recent episodes were anywhere from 40 to 50 minutes. Now, what I want to do is every week I will now have, after my website is launched, a 10-minute special where in 10 minutes or less, I discuss some of the biggest topics I have talked about in the week. So if you missed an episode or you want to have it summarized faster for you, that will also be an option and that will come on the website once my website is launched. Once my website is launched, I'll give you more updates on that. But for now, that's really all you need to know. Okay, so now that we've covered all of that, I'd like to talk about the political candidates, some of the Democratic candidates, and their recent polling numbers and what that means for them. So on Tuesday, January 21st, that is yesterday, they had a New Hampshire Democratic presidential primary uh, poll, and and let me just read you the percentages and then we'll talk about it. So Sanders is at 16%, Biden at 15%, Buttigieg at 12 
Warren at 10, Klobuchar at 5. So Sanders is currently winning this race in New Hampshire, according to this latest poll. Uh, Sanders is only winning by one. He is one up from Joe Biden, who's at 15. Sanders is at 16. This is not looking good for Elizabeth Warren, as she's all the way down at 10. As one of the main candidates, she's only ahead of Klobuchar and Steyer, which doesn't mean a lot, as Klobuchar's and Steyer's polling numbers haven't been that great. Anyway, Warren really needs to step it up in the next couple of polls and caucuses if she wants to continue. Because if she loses some of these early states, She'll lose momentum even more than she already is now, which won't be good for her. So she'll definitely have to take Buttigieg on this and be competitive with Biden and maybe even Sanders within the next couple of weeks for, for her to even have a chance at continuing on in this race. Now, they also, on Monday, January 20th, they did, a, they did two polls, one for the Iowa Democratic Presidential Caucus and... That put Biden at 24, Sanders at 14, Warren at 18, Buttigieg at 16, Klobuchar at 11, and Steyer at 4. Now, we'll talk about Steyer in a little bit, From but from all these polls, we see that Steyer isn't doing very well. Now, Tom Steyer did recently start coming to these debates, so he's less familiar to the American people. However, it's so late in the race already. Iowa's coming up in the very first week of February, February 3rd. So if he can't get the polling numbers, again, he's at a disadvantage because he started later. This will most likely be the end to Steyer. Now, do I think Steyer could win at all no matter what? Well, I, I mean, I guess if he were to win lots of these states, he could win. But what it's looking like right now, there's almost no way that he could he could win any of these states or win the nomination. So as I'll talk about in a second, it's most likely looking over for Tom Steyer. So, so in the Iowa Democratic Presidential Caucus poll, Biden is at plus six. Now this isn't good for people like Sanders who are recently ahead in the polls. I've talked about this in some of my other episodes, but Sanders used to have the lead over Joe Biden, something that Sanders is really going to need in the future. Now, I'll talk a little bit more about polling a little later. As I promised, I'm going to give you a sneak preview of what the weekly articles are going to be about, and I talk a lot about this, so I'll save that for them. But in the meantime, let's talk about Trump going boss mode. So according to Daily Wire, it basically talks about some of the things Trump has said over the past couple of weeks that are pretty much roasting different political figures for different reasons. So let's start with Representative Adam Schiff from California. So Trump roasted him, and this is over the uh, killing of Kassam Soleimani, the preparation around that. Many of the Democrats were mad that Trump didn't tell them, and here's what he had to say. So the person interviewing him said, are you worried that the Democrats can't be trusted with classified information? Because that kind of, that's kind of what it sounded like when Pence gave that interview and talked about sources and methods the other day. Trump, I'm worried about it, certainly. I am worried about it. Can you imagine? Here are split-second timing ex executed like nobody's seen in many, many years. On Soleimani? Can you imagine 
they want us to call out and speak to crooked, corrupt politician Adam Schiff. Oh, Adam, we have somebody that we've been trying to get for a long time. We have a shot at him right now. Could we meet so that we could get your approval, Adam Schiff? And he'd say, well, let's do it in a couple of days. Okay, let's wait a couple. It doesn't work that way, number one. Number two, they leak. Anything we give will be leaked immediately. You'll see breaking news. We're about to attack in 25 minutes or do something. And by the way, I'm not somebody that wants to attack. I probably could have attacked five times, ten times, having to do it with Iran. I've been very guarded because I don't want to do that. Now, obviously, the thing that happened in Iran was a little bit earlier this month, but I think Donald Trump makes some very good points about this whole thing. So many of the Democrats are getting irritated that Donald Trump did not tell Congress before. We talked about the War Powers Resolution on the show before. I believe it was a couple episodes ago called, Is the War Powers Resolution Constitutional? So I get to that a little bit more if you're interested for more information. But he makes two very good points, as he, as he said. So the first one is, this isn't something you can do just whenever you want. You have a, you have a very small window of time when you're able to execute something as classified, something as serious as this, or in dealing with a terrorist. Now you've got, for example, as Trump is saying, 30 minutes to make this decision and you have to decide now. You can't call up Congress because what if they aren't willing to meet now? What if they want to oppose Trump just because they're mad at Trump over impeachment, things like that? That would, by far, if he had to tell Congress about this split-second decision, it wouldn't be able to happen. That's just the simple fact. It would not be able to happen. There's not enough time. You have to be very, very um, timely on this. You have to go very fast, things like that. Now, what people might say to this is, why don't you just tell Congress before of the fact? But we've seen many times, as Donald Trump points out again, that the Democrats will leak this information if if that happens. And if you're trying to kill a terrorist and it gets all over the United States media before it happens that you're trying to do that, then the the likely rate of success is going to go down significantly. So Donald Trump makes two very good points about that. I think that's a very strong response from Donald Trump. And again, Democrats are using the War Powers Resolution stating that what Trump did was wrong. However, based on bills passed after 9-11, killing a terrorist is completely fine without congressional approval. Now, it's funny, I won't play it this time on the show, but I actually played a clip where Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden were defending exactly what President Trump did, but from past presidents, they're defending the past presidents because they happen to be Democrat. Joe Biden actually proposed a bill that said a president could do something like this without congressional approval under certain circumstances, which this actually met. So just kind of funny stuff from the Democrats. Next, we have Donald Trump, and he hammered uh, President Barack Obama for some of the stuff that happened with the missiles, things like that. Obviously, the missiles came at an American base in Iraq. It turned out that Iraq actually, sorry, Iran warned Iraq beforehand that they were shooting these missiles so everyone could get out and no one 
would get hurt. But aside from that, Donald Trump pretty much roasts Barack Obama because under the Iran nuclear deal, this is why Iran was able to do it in the first place. Now, what the Iran nuclear deal was, was basically saying, Iran, we're going to give you tons and tons and tons of money, and you're going to be happy and not hurt us and become peaceful all of a sudden. Now, this has not worked in the past. It definitely not has worked. It definitely did not work in this case, and that's why it was a very smart move for Donald Trump to pull out of this. Now, we've already seen Iran supports terrorist regimes. So by giving them money and saying, okay, we hope that you don't do anything bad with this. Now, under the deal, it did say that Iran could not produce nuclear weapons. However, the deal only went to, I believe it's 2023. So even that didn't have that much of an effect. So instead of that strategy, which Barack Obama tried, I think what Donald Trump did was a very good strategy to deter Iran from future action. Hey, you want to try and blow up our embassy? We're going to take out one of your top generals. And then Iran is afraid to respond because they don't know what's going to happen if they do. Now that's deterrence. And that stops places like Iran from acting crazy, supporting terrorist regimes, trying to blow up, trying to blow up our embassy, killing American troops, etc., etc., etc. So what Donald Trump is hammering Barack Obama for is the fact that they gave Iran money. And this money could have very well helped fund the missiles that were shot at American bases in Iraq. If Iraq hadn't received this money, it would have been a lot harder for them to shoot ballistic missiles at America. So many people are saying, why do you have to bring Obama into this? Why does Trump always have to blame everything for Obama? Now, I don't believe a president should criticize everything wrong about their presidency on the other president, but that's not really what Trump's doing. Trump makes a very good point. He's making a very strong point, basically saying that because your past president gave tons of money to one of our enemies, they're now able to build more weapons, which is a completely valid point on that. So that's just a little bit of the things that Donald Trump hammered different people for. I won't go into any more details on that today, but Donald Trump has had some very strong responses to things such as impeachment, Iran, the Iran nuclear deal over the past couple of weeks, and I, and I believe that this will have strong effects on his polling numbers. As we've seen, according to the Daily Wire, that the support for killing Qassam Soleimani is almost at 50%, which is really good for anything. Now, let's get a little more to the Virginia pro-gun rally that happened, I believe it was Monday. So, many, lots of the media were basically saying this was going to be a bunch of white supremacists, white nationalists, and something was going to go wrong, and people are going to be hurt, and this was completely illegal and all bad, when it turns out that lots of people you know, from the gay community, lots of women showed up, lots of people from the minority, from minority groups showed up, according to the Daily Wire. So, before I start, though, it is a valid concern to have that there may, you know, something bad could happen, and we obviously saw that in another gun rally where that went very wrong, but what they're doing is not illegal, and they actually promised to be very peaceful about this, which is what actually happened. But back to the point. So Daily Wire 
reports, the leftist American mainstream media tried to cast Monday's pro-Second Amendment rally in Richmond, Virginia, as a white supremacist event that only extremists were planning on attending. It turned out that the entire narrative was widely false. There were approximately 22,000 pro-freedom activists that showed up. The event concluded with no report incidents occurring and only one arrest being made. A female who police say repeatedly ignored their warnings to remove a mask that she was wearing. It is not clear if the person who was if the person who was arrested, who was later released, was even a part of the pro-gun crowd, or if she was part of the Revolutionary Communist Party, whom Getty Images reported were the only counter-protesters who attended. Even NBC News was forced to admit that the rally was peaceful and that law-abiding gun owners acted lawfully and peacefully in a piece titled, quote, At Tense Virginia Rally, Demonstrators Reject Extremists, Defend Law-Abiding Gun, Goners, Gun Owners. NBC News reports crime report comes after a leftist NBC News reporter falsely smeared gun owners ahead of the event by claiming to, by attempting to frame the narrative by claiming that the event was a quote white nationalist rally. The reporter was later forced to delete his tweet after facing widespread backlash on Twitter. And then they go on to say there are actually people with signs at the rally that said gun rights are gay rights. So I'm not going to talk about gay rights in this episode. I'm probably going to stay away from that on the show. But the point is that the media is trying to point fingers at these people saying, oh, there's no diversity in the Republican Party. Anyone who supports guns are white nationalists. Now, that's not necessarily what they said here. But again, as Daily Wire reports, NBC News had an article that said that it was a white nationalist rally before it even happened. So this is some really crazy stuff. And I think it's kind of funny when the media narrative is proven wrong, especially when they make a claim before something even happens, and then it's completely wrong, and it's it really just exposes the media. Now, this is a little more general topic, but many people have been really mad about the diversity left on the Democratic stage, just like they're saying there's no diversity in the Republican Party. So as Cory Booker has dropped out, as Andrew Yang hasn't been able to make it to the last debate, people such as Tulsi Gabbard, Kamala Harris, people like that are now fading away and there's not very much diversity left on the stage. People are getting very mad. Just like how this whole, all, how all these NBC articles are claiming, you know, it's a white nationalist rally, there's no diversity, when that's clearly wrong. So talking about the diversity left on the campaign stage, one thing I hope we can all agree on is the fact that shouldn't we just vote for who we believe we can trust the most and align themselves with our values? Shouldn't it not matter, matter whether they're black, white, men, man, woman, anything like that? It should really only matter about their values. And so when you bash people for not voting for someone because they're black, they're getting it wrong. Now if now if a black woman ran for president and they aligned themselves with my values, I would vote for them. But you've also got someone like Kamala Harris who I disagree with. And I'm not not voting, I'm not voting for her not not voting for her because she's black. I'm not voting for her 
because I don't agree with the things she has to say. So along these lines of diversity, the media often tries to say the stage is too white now, you know, blame people for not voting in these more diverse candidates. Now, if there if there is diversity on the stage, I think that's great. I think that's amazing. But I don't believe you should have to vote for someone because of their skin color or because they're, of their gender. So that's just a little bit of an update on the Virginia pro-gun rally. Okay, so next, last thing, as I talked about, something new when the website comes out, I will be doing a new article once a week. And so I've already started writing some of these once this website comes out. So I want to give you a sneak preview of what that's going to look like. So the first article on the website is actually going to be called Who Will Be the Democratic Nominee? Now, if you've, if you've listened to some of the more recent episodes, I talk more about this, but this article expands on that. This will kind of give you a taste of what these articles will be like, how long they'll be, the effort, you know, I'll put into them, things like that. All right, so here's what that sound, this sounds like. It's 2020, just days away from Iowa. Presidential candidates Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Pete Buttigieg, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer have all made it this far, but only one can be the one to go up against, parentheses, and lose to President Donald Trump. Each candidate has their strengths and weaknesses, but none, none have overwhelming support. First, it's clear that there are really only four people left in the race. Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, and Pete Buttigieg. While candidates Amy Klobuchar, Tom Steyer, Mike Bloomberg, and Andrew Yang are still in the race, their low polling numbers and low support isn't a promising aspect of their presidential campaign. Of the candidates that are slowly fading, it's important to note that the New York Times did endorse Amy Klobuchar. However, coupled with the endorsement of Elizabeth Warren, this likely won't mean much for Senator Klobuchar. To the remaining candidates with double digits in the polls, here are a couple of key things to look for over the next couple of weeks and, if one can achieve, will likely be the nominee. Number one, the Iowa caucuses. The Democrats have had their final debate before the Iowa caucuses, and too many didn't give sorry, and to many it didn't give Iowa voters a clear idea of who they wanted. Many of the candidates didn't attack each other or separate themselves from each other as a general rule. While this strategy worked over the past couple of debates, then was a very crucial time, now is a very crucial time to give voters a clear reason why to vote for them. Joe Biden currently leads the polls, but Bernie Sanders is very close behind, making a big jump over the past month. This state is crucial to both candidates, including the fact that Bernie Sanders is doing well in Nevada and Joe Biden in South Carolina. If either were to win the state, it would be it would do tremendous good to the beneficiary of the delegates in some of the other earlier states they may be leading in. If Joe Biden or Bernie Sanders is able to take Iowa, which is looking more and more likely, it would most likely become a two race between the two. Two way race between the two. Considering that, this isn't only important to Biden and Sanders, but also to Elizabeth Warren. While she is still in the top three, she needs the momentum, as well as stopping the two ahead. If she is able to do this successfully, she may obtain the momentum she needs to finish off the primaries in first. The same applies to Pete Buttigieg. If this doesn't happen, their campaigns may end just like once top candidate Kamala Harris. Number two, 
future Democratic debates. The Democratic debates can either skyrocket a candidate's polling numbers or completely bomb them, usually when attacks are made on the stage. For example, when Senator Harris attacked former Pres Vice President Joe Biden, she became a top candidate, while Biden lost around 15%. While January's debate didn't do much for the candidates, it may have dramatic effects on the when the stage gets smaller. Being this way, the future debates will especially be between two important candidates, Bernie Sanders and Joe Biden. Joe Biden has only fallen in the polls since the race started, especially after the debates. The main reason he is still in the race is because of two things. He already had the name recognition, and he started his campaign at around 45%. While he has had enough supporters to fall back on, he is slowly but surely falling further and further down. Another thing that Joe Biden lacks is enthusiastic supporters. The New York Times reports, quote, Nancy, Nancy Courtney displays a Joe Biden sign in her yard, makes phone calls for his campaign, and supports the former vice president, quote, 100%, she says. But the sluggish state of Joseph R. Biden Jr.'s organization in her city of Burlington, Iowa, had her fuming one recent evening. Quote, in Burlington, they are duds, said Miss Courtney, an activist who is married to the Democratic chairman in Des Moines County. Quote, I will help, but there's no excitement there. There's nothing. I will do whatever it takes to get him elected, but I can't go down there when there's nothing going on. Bob Kling, a city councilman in Idinanola, was promoted by the Biden campaign as a prominent local endorser, but asked about Mr. Biden's standing in his state, Mr. Kling was blunt. Quote, not as great as he was. Buttigieg is kind of taking the lead in the polls, he said, referring to Pete Buttigieg, the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Since late summer, Mr. Biden, the early frontrunner in the Democratic primary, has faced an increasingly difficult path in Iowa. Now, 10 weeks before the Iowa caucuses, even his own supporters in the state are growing more worried about his prospects. Close quote. A crucial part of this next debate will be for Joe Biden to show enthusiasm and attack other candidates on the stage as so far he has only received them bernie sanders still has a promising shot at the nomination recently prom passing elizabeth warren for good as she continues to fall in the polls while these debates will still be important to her her ultimate fate will lie in bernie sanders's control as he has already proven to be the superior candidate this does not mean the door is closed for senator warren however there are still plenty of things that can hurt Sanders, such as recent health problems, especially after his heart attack. As long as Bernie can maintain his streak for the next couple of months, he will for sure be one of the final two candidates. Number three, impeachment. There's yet another way Elizabeth Warren still has good chances in the Democratic primary. While these articles won't go in, while this article won't go into detail on impeachment, it is important to remember that Joe Biden is a big part of the reason why this impeachment trial is happening in the first place. This not only puts Biden between a rock and a hard place, but it, but if, but it, if is brought in to testify with Hunter Biden, could be devastating to his campaign. If Biden drops out soon because of this, the race may continue as a more progressive stage. This would make way for Warren Sanders and Buttigieg, something that would add a twist for sure to who receives the nomination. There are still many factors that could change up the current predictions, but one thing is for sure, this won't be an easy race. Who do you think will win the nomination? 
So that's just a little bit, a little sneak preview of some of the articles I'll be posting every Saturday on the website. If you're more interested for more details on that, stay updated. I'll keep you updated on that as that website is almost ready. Thank you for listening to Give Me Liberty, and my name is James Wilson.